0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Four chances. Oh, he is good to us. Amen. Let's stand. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open from the book of St. Luke, the 19th chapter, in the ninth verse. St. Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. It's a beautiful presence of the Lord in the house of God tonight. I just know He's going to speak to our hearts. So if you would just open your spirit up, I believe the Lord can speak to us clearly and without question. St. Luke chapter 19, verse number 9. It says, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you want to know the reason why Jesus came, he tells us in verse number 10, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. to preach to us tonight on this subject, the Savior's search for souls. The Savior's search for souls. One more time. Can we lift our hands? Let's pray. Father, your presence is already in this house. God, we are asking for you to anoint this word. God, anoint the hearts that they could receive the word and apply it. God, we give you praise for somebody tonight can be changed. Somebody can experience you like they never have before. We give you praise. Give you glory. We give you all honor. Pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Was in the Twelfth chapter, the Gospel of Saint Luke, we find Jesus teaching a parable, and in this parable, he begins to reference a certain rich man, who, from the context, seems like was a farmer, and it just so happened on this particular season, his harvest came in and came in in great abundance so much so that he was unsure and uncertain of what to do next and so while contemplating his choices he decided that it would be best to tear down his current barns and build bigger build grander and build greater now while that in itself is not necessarily wrong it's what he said next that got him in trouble with the lord Uh, He said this in verse number 20 and verse number 19. He said, soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that next verse in verse 20 says that God spoke to him and said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. The Bible is so clear. It is straightforward and emphatic that our souls matter more than anything else in our lives. More than uh, any other option, any other person, or any other thing. Our souls have to be the focal point of our future because one day our hearts will stop beating. Our lungs will quit working. The blood will cease flowing. But yet our souls will continue to live forever and ever and ever somewhere. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 26, he said, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or uh, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, in other words, whatever you receive, if it costs you your soul, you got the raw end of the deal. No matter what you got in return, if you have to give up your soul, you got the short end of the stick. You are the one that just got ripped off. Ah, It was the Lord that began to speak ever so clearly in Ezekiel, the 18th chapter, in the fourth verse, and he said, all souls are mine. He made an utter declaration that each and every soul that is in this world, it belongs to God himself. It is an issue that is personal to the creator of the ends of the earth. It was this God that made the trees to grow and the one that made the flowers to bloom, the one that hung the planets in orbit and named every star, the one that made the sun to shine and the moon to glow. But when the Savior began to search the earth, he did not search for the birds that were chirping, and he wasn't searching for the ocean waves that roared. But matter of fact, his search consisted Of souls that he was looking for. It was this the reason why he came. In Ezekiel, the 34th chapter and the 11th verse, God said, I, even I, will both search my sheep and I will seek them out. God said, I will do whatever it takes. As long as one soul is on the line, I will do whatever is needed to be done. We find Jesus over and over again telling the disciples this uh, message. In Luke chapter 15, he said there was a shepherd that was uh, over a hundred sheep. And while he was making sure that everyone was at home and everyone was safe and everyone was accounted. As he began to bring up the number of the tally, he said there were 99 that were protected, 99 that were safe, 99 that were tucked at home, perfect condition. But it was the one The one lost one that got away, it was that one sheep that went astray, that one that got wayward and away from the flock. And Jesus said what that shepherd will do, he will leave the 99 that are safe and he will look for the one that has went down the wrong path. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful God still cares about the one that's lost. I'm so appreciative that he doesn't just cast us away and say, I've got so many that are doing right, but instead he goes for the one that's living in wrongdoing, the one that's in sin, the one that's in bondage, and will say, if whatever I've got to do, I'm going to search for that one that has left where they needed to be see it from the very beginning of the New Testament, it was the search that caused him to come. It was the search that was so heavy that he left the hallelujahs of heaven. It was the search that was so crucial that he left the celestial choirs. It was the search that was so paramount that he left the perfect Paradise. It was the search that was so essential that he left the eternal ecstasy of glory because a soul was on the line. It was him that went to great lengths. It was him that went to extreme measures. Not so just there could be a story that is nice, a story that we could share, a story we can read about, the reason why he came, the reason why he gave his life, the reason why he shed his blood. Uh, Make no mistake about it, it was all for souls i was uh, reading uh, not long ago in uh, los angeles they were having a street sweeping day and so if you've ever been to a metropolitan city like that the traffic itself will test the jesus inside of you and so because of the increased traffic and the population being so great they have to take precautions And they would actually take advertisements and put up signs on the road to make sure that everybody knows to stay off certain streets at particular times. Because when these street sweepers are coming through, if you're not gone already, you're going to be stuck. And so they would actually take out advertisements on television and the radio and signs all across the city to make sure everybody knew at these times don't be on these certain streets. So it was the Los Angeles Police Department that had to patrol the area to make sure that each one of these streets were clear. So it was a certain patrolman that was going down his route, making sure that the roads were clear and the streets had no cars parked. And as he turned the last corner on the last street. He was almost surprised at what he saw, there was a car parked where it should not have been. And when he saw that vehicle, he just got upset. How could somebody go and still do this even though they've heard all the signs, we've given them all the warnings, and yet they still do what they are not supposed to do? And so he got out of his vehicle, made his way towards this car. The man sitting in the driver's seat, he got out his ticket book, wrote out the ticket, and just simply told the man driving. He said, you've got 15 minutes, and you're going to have to be gone because a tow truck is coming, and if you haven't left by then, they are going to make you leave. Slapped that ticket on the windshield and went back to his car. Patrolled the other streets, and finally... Fifteen minutes had passed by. He pulled up, and guess who was still parked in the exact same pot, spot? Excuse me, and in the exact same location. That vehicle still was not moved. By this time, the tow truck had pulled up. He got out of his vehicle, he said, "Well, I, I can't believe this man is still parked here," uh, and the tow truck was signaling. What did he need to do? He said, well, go ahead and get everything ready to hook up on this car, and I'm going to have to arrest the man. I don't know what else to do. Came up and knocked on the window, said, sir, you need to move or you need to get out of the car. man never moved a muscle. Knocked on the window again, said, sir, I'm going to give you one last warning. You need to get out of the car and get out of the car right now. Still, the man never moved. Finally... The policeman opened up the door and when he opened the door to his amazement, the man sitting in the driver's seat was dead. was that now this is what the officer didn't know was about 30 minutes prior the man was having a heart attack and needed somebody to help him but the officer was more worried about giving him a citation than giving him a savior. He was more interested in telling him what he was doing wrong rather than trying to help him out and get him where he needed to be. You know, when I read that, something triggered that I read in the Bible. See, we find something very similar taking place in Luke, the ninth chapter. We find Jesus with his disciples, and they come across a group of men that was resisting and denying the teaching of Jesus Christ. And when they came upon this group of men, the disciples got all up in arms. They got angry and beside themselves. They said, Jesus, you know what you need to do to these men? You need to open up the windows of heaven, send down fire, and burn them jokers up. You know how Jesus responded? Luke 9 to 56. He said, The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus said, I've not I didn't come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. I've not come to push people down. I've come to lift people up. You, you want me to destroy them? You forgot the reason why I came. I came so that somebody might be saved, somebody might have eternal life, someone would not have to be lost. Someone could escape the clutches of hell. That's the reason why I came. And there are times we can think in our own mind that we're searching for Jesus, but if we only knew what he was doing on the opposite end. See, it's what leads us to our text here in this 19th chapter, the Gospel of St. Luke. It begins with a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, no stranger to Scripture. Zacchaeus was that wee little man, a man of sin, living unrighteous and immoral, and was completely unethical. But he heard one day that Jesus was coming by. So, not knowing what to do, he decided it would be best. I'm going to go to where Jesus is at i want to find him preaching. I'm going to find him teaching, and I'm going to go and I'm going to listen for myself to see if he really is who he says he is. Zacchaeus came wanting to know, is this man just hype and full of emotionalism, or is this the one that can really save? Is this the one that can really deliver? Is this the one that can really redeem? Is this the one that can really change my life and alter my destiny and brighten my future? And so he decided, I'm going down, and I'm going to see for myself. And so Zacchaeus went to where Jesus was. And when he got there, there were crowds that had formed, so much so as he began to maneuver his way through the people, as he began to press his way through the multitudes. When he got all the way to the front, he found out that he still could not get close enough. So he kind of began to look around. What am I going to do here? So not far off, he saw the sycamore tree. Come on, Sunday school teachers, y'all can help me now. And he went over to that sycamore tree, and he began to climb. And as he began to climb, he got all the way to the top. When he finally reached the top of that tree, he began to search and began to look. And just as sure as he began to look, there he was in the middle of the crowd. People eagerly listening. People patiently waiting. What is he going to say next? And when Zacchaeus finally saw Jesus for himself, the Bible says that Jesus looked up to him and said, Oh, Zacchaeus, I've been looking for you. You thought you were searching for me, but, oh, I've already ordered your footsteps. I brought you here for this reason and for this purpose. I've been searching for you. This day, salvation is coming to this house. Zacchaeus, I want to let you know, come on down from that sycamore tree. I'm coming to your house, and I'm coming to your house today. And as sure as Jesus said that, the men that knew Zacchaeus, the men that had been with him before, they said, Jesus... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that's not the man I'd be running with. That's not the one I'd be hanging out with. That's not the one I'd be want to be associated with. That man is a scoundrel. That man does people wrong. That man does all kinds of mistakes. He lies. He deceives. He misleads. Don't go around him. Don't come near him. Jesus said, why do you think I came? He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinner to repentance. He said, I'm coming for those that have done wrong. I'm coming for those that made, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm coming for those that made mistakes. I'm coming for prodigal sons and daughters. I'm coming for those that have gotten wayward. I'm coming for those that made mistakes. You cannot stop me and you cannot stand in my way. I came down to this world for men just like Zacchaeus. I come with a search for souls that need to be saved. Oh, hallelujah oh see when Jesus came he was announced by the angels when he came he was born in Bethlehem he was seen by the shepherds he was worshipped by the wise men Uh, he was rejected by the religious he was slandered by the scribes Uh, he was persecuted by the politicians Uh, he was mocked by the mobs Uh, he was misunderstood by the masses Uh, he was forsaken by his friends Uh, he was cuffed like a criminal he was crucified on Calvary he was buried in a borrowed tomb but that did not stop him that did not stifle him and that did not slow him from his search that had only consisted of souls that had to be found oh what will he do for just one soul I'm gonna tell you what he'll do. He'll move mountains. He'll chase people down. He will visit you in bars and clubs. He will visit souls while they're laying their head on the pillow at night. He'll wake people up in the middle of the morning and let them know I'm coming for you. I'm searching for you. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm overwhelmed that when I wasn't looking for him, he was looking for me. I feel like I, I could never praise him enough that he came searching for me. If I praised him from now into all eternity it wouldn't begin to measure the grace and the mercy that he's shown towards me. He didn't just reach down for me. He reached all the way down. He reached down to a man in sin. A man that was living in unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful that God reached for you even when you weren't even reaching for him that's the way he searches that was his mission and even coming to this earth sometimes it's really hard to comprehend and fully understand just how great this search really is I was reading I'm not going to be too much longer but I was reading an article about a man by the name of William Gladstone And Mr. Gladstone was a member of Parliament. And he had to address the House of Commons. The reason why Mr. Gladstone was brought under question is because Princess Alice had died. And she had died very suddenly. There was a lot of mystery, a lot of questions surrounding her death. And it was said that Mr. Gladstone was there. And he knew exactly what happened and the death of the princess. True story. And so Mr. Gladstone had been brought to the house. And they finally gave him the opportunity to stand behind the podium and to explain what had really happened. So Mr. Gladstone took the podium. He said, to understand the death of Princess Alice, it could be summed up simply in this. The princess died because of love. And he knew that answer wasn't going to be sufficient. The eyes of those men were staring the hole through him, wanting more, wanting a full explanation of each and every detail. Finally, after a brief pause, Mr. Gladstone went on. And he said, well, to understand why she had passed you have to know what led up to her passing. Uh, Princess Alice had a daughter, not very old, just toddler age. Her daughter got sick, Uh, started out simply as a sore throat, a cough, so it wasn't too alarming to the princess, but it gradually got worse, worse to the point that her daughter would begin to cough and begin to choke and be unable to breathe it was then that the princess realized there was something more to what was going on. and So she took her daughter to the very best doctors that money could buy, physicians that the royalty went to. And so she explained the symptoms and everything that was going on, and they assured her they would do everything within their power to find out exactly what was wrong with her daughter. And so the princess had to do one of the hardest things in the life of a parent. They just had to wait. And there's nothing worse than having a child that's sick and you can't do anything about it. And so she just had to wait. Even though she was royal blood and the princess, she had to be just a normal mother. So she waited, waited, and finally the chief physician came in. said, Princess, I need to tell you what's going on. Your daughter has contracted a disease called diphtheria. Diphtheria is a swelling of the glands, and long story short, it cuts, cuts the oxygen out and causes the one that has the infirmity to be unable to breathe. So diphtheria in the late 1800s took the lives of many people, but especially children. He said, Princess, I really hate to tell you this, but it's only going to be a matter of days. Your daughter's going to die. She couldn't believe what they were telling her. Surely there's got to be some kind of medicine. Uh, surely you can prescribe something that would help her at least slow this down. And said, I'm sorry princess. Uh, uh, this is just where we're at. There is absolutely no cure. So she's trying to take in what she just heard. and Finally, the chief physician went on and said, Princess, I need to tell you something else. Diphtheria is highly contagious. And if you go around your daughter, if you breathe the same breath as her, if you hug her, and especially if you kiss her, it's very likely you'll contract the same disease. You'll die as well. He said, I know this is not what you want to hear, but this is what we've been telling people to do. Take your daughter home. Put her in a room where she can sleep, use the restroom, and have something to drink and eat. And let your daughter die in that room by herself. And that way, nobody else will die. So I can only imagine the world is spinning now. She's trying to wrap her mind around this. Mr. Gladstone said she did what the doctors told her to do. Brother, could you help me out? Could you grab one of these chairs for me and just put it right here in the center in front of the pulpit in the direction of the congregation? Thank you so much. Mr. Gladstone said that the princess went home and she put her daughter in the room at the palace. He said, then... She got this real nice chair, and she sat it just outside the door. And he said every day the princess would sit in this chair, and there will be all kinds of people coming, needing her attention, needing her to do this or that. She said, I'm sorry. I just can't leave this chair right now. And so she would just sit there. She would listen to her daughter cry. She'd have to listen to her suffer, have to listen to her just choke and be unable to breathe. All the while, the princess just sits there, just tears streaming down her face, knowing there's absolutely nothing she could do. And finally, the disease began to progress so much so that Mr. Gladstone said that her daughter began to scream hysterically began to choke on what she was saying. Finally, her daughter, screaming out in agony, said, Mommy, Mommy, do you even love me? I'm going to tell you, I was reading that story, and I just couldn't help it. Tears started flowing. And the princess sat there, and when her daughter said that, she said, I just can't sit in this chair anymore. She got up. Guards not far away said, "You, You can't do this well, you know what will happen if you go into that room. The princess said, I know what will happen but my daughter will not die wondering if she has a mother that even loves her. Not going to happen. So she took the key out, opened the door, went, grabbed her daughter, laying on her bed shaking and convulsing. She held her in her arms. and Went, same, sat right back on that same chair. Began to Hold her daughter close. Said, don't you ever wonder. Mommy loves you. Mommy cares for you. Her daughter now, getting to the very end, looked into the eyes of the princess and said, Mommy, will you just kiss me? Will you just tell me I'm going to be better? Mr. Gladstone said, without batting an eye, without even thinking twice, she held her little girl and began to kiss her on the cheek and said, Baby, don't you ever worry. Everything's going to be all right. Mommy has you. Mr. Gladstone said it was in that chair that her daughter died in her arms. He said it was in that very same chair that I was the one that walked in. I was the one that was close to the princess. I was the one that knew what had taken place and what had transpired. I was the one that saw her before anybody else did. She was sitting in that same chair, and she died of the very same disease. He said, that's why I told you she died because of love. And he said this, she laid down her life so that her child would know they were loved. Pastor Boy, when I read that I thought, Oh my This is what we believe. This is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why He came. Because whether we want to admit it or not, all of us are born with a condition called sin. And you can't fix it, and you can't fill it. Some people try with drugs and pills, some try with alcohol, others try with money, some try to fill it with entertainment, some try to fill it through different avenues and methods. But At the end of the day, there's a hole in your heart that cannot be fixed and cannot be filled. But one day, there was a heavenly Father that looked down over the portals of heaven. There was a heavenly Father, I feel the Holy Ghost, that looked down from the corridors of glory and tried to find some kind of plan. He tried to find some kind of intercessor, tried to find somebody who could do the job. But when all was said and done, he said, I know what I've got to do. I've got to come down myself, and my own arm is going to bring salvation because my children will not die wondering if they have a Savior or not. I know that I'm going to come. Hallelujah, the music's getting ready to come right now. But I'm reminded of what the apostle said in the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. Ah, The apostle Paul said, for while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Old songwriter said he laid the foundation and he opened up the way. What more can he do? I wonder tonight as every head is bowed, as every eye is closed with nobody looking around. Friend of mine, God is trying to speak to somebody's heart in this place. He's trying to minister to somebody's soul in this very room. Wants you to know, wants you to understand. He will do whatever it takes if it means your soul will be saved. He loves you so much that he forsook the heaven. He was, robed himself in flesh, born into this world knowing he was going to die. Praying in the garden, knowing what his fate was going to be, knowing that his life was going to be taken, knowing that he was going to be crucified on an old rugged cross. But there was a search That was just too great. Even though he knew he would suffer, even though he knew he would bleed, even though he knew he would have to be screaming in agony, struggling just for one breath, he looked ahead in time and saw you and saw me and said the search is worth it because I know there's a soul that's on the line. Oh, would you open your heart with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you died for our sins. Lord, you suffered to relieve suffering. God, I'm praying, Lord, from the front to the back and from the left to the right. God, maybe someone has never experienced your salvation. Maybe somebody has never come and truly repented of their sins. Maybe somebody here tonight, God, has never been baptized in your name and never had their name written down in glory. God, I'm praying right now that you would speak to every individual, every man and woman, every teenager and child, that even in this very service, the search can come to them. God, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It's not by happenstance. That we're in a revival on a Tuesday night when we don't normally gather. But there is a search that you are looking for just one soul. Oh, would you just lift your hands with me for a moment? God's speaking to somebody right now. Come on, I need some prayer warriors that's going to help me. Hallelujah. Come on, I need some praying mamas, praying daddies. Hallelujah. There's a search. There's a search. He's searching right now. He's walking up and down the aisles. He's moving up and down the pews right now. I can feel him. I I can sense him. He's searching. He's knocking on hearts' doors even this very moment as we're speaking these words. Oh, tonight... You can be saved tonight. You can come back to God tonight. You can find what your soul is crying out for. Can we stand all across the house? Oh, would you step out of where you stand, and would you like to join me at an altar for a few moments? Oh, hallelujah! Come on, I'm so thankful that His search came looking for me. Oh, I'm overwhelmed with appreciation. Hallelujah. Come on, young person. You're not too young to receive the Holy Ghost. Hey, come on. You're not too small that God can't save you. You're not too old that He can't redeem you. In Jesus' name, He's a forgiver of sins. Hallelujah. Come on. Watch you find somebody. Lay your arm on their shoulder. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you let those tears flow? Come on, I've watched you during the service. God's speaking. God's speaking right now. Woo, hallelujah. Hey, something's happening right now. Something's moving in this very room. Come on, why don't you just raise the volume of your voice? Come on. Jesus hears you, buddy. Come on, in the name of the Lord. It's all right. God loves you. God cares for you more than your family, more than your closest friend. Ah, yes, God. Woo! Jesus, here I am. Jesus, here I am. Jesus, here I am.